You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. Hey, so welcome. My name is Bill Vecchio. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, thanks for being here and joining us. We want to open up the Word of God together. So if you grab a Bible, there are Bibles in the aisles. Um, these are uh, Bibles that if you don't have one, take one home with you. Uh, we'd love for you to hold the Word of God in your hand. Um, also, great app, Version Bible app. Uh, there's some great uh, reading plans and things on there that you can download onto any of your phones. Um, so we're in the middle of a series talking about the fear of the Lord. It's a theme that we see all throughout the book of Proverbs. Here is a wise king who is writing down these instructions, who's writing down these thoughts and ideas for uh, a younger generation. He keeps referring to my son, so it's kind of this father-son relationship or this parenting relationship with someone. It could be a mentoring relationship, writing down these, these wise instructions. And, and so we're diving into the middle of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3, to some of my favorite verses uh, Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. And fear is such an interesting topic. So when we go into this, I really want to be careful because when it comes to God and Scripture, our perspective has to be correct. So we have this idea of uh, fearing the Lord, the fear of the Lord. And when we look at Scripture, we see 50 plus times that this idea of, of fearing the Lord is, is put forth before the people who are in relationship with God. But then we also see 30 plus times this idea of fear not. And so you have this, um, you have Isaiah gets called up into the heavens and, and the Lord says, fear not. You have uh, John before for Jesus and uh, he's called up and he says, fear not. You, you see these angels appear and then they, they say, fear not. So, so it's not a contradictory idea to have one side say, fear the Lord and the other side say, fear not. And so when we jump in, we have to have the right perspective. This fear is one that understands the greatness of God. That understands the power and the awesomeness of God. And that fear doesn't actually drive us from Him or make us run away from Him, but that fear actually draws us closer to Him. And it's, it's this idea of fearing not being with Him, fearing not being in relationship with him. It's just drawing near and drawing close because of how powerful and awesome and amazing that he is. See, I fear bees, I fear sharks, and so I run away from those things. I fear sickness, and we can see as a pandemic is kind of coming to this kind of culmination, if you will, we see that, that, that sickness is a huge fear in our culture. That's why uh, you, you would put like green smoothies together. I don't know why you would drink a green smoothie other than if you don't want to get sick, right? So, so we have these, this, this idea of, of fearing things, and so we run from them. We run from sickness. We mask up. We, we stay away from one another. We have this fear of not knowing what's next. Anybody fear that? Not knowing what the next step is going to be. Maybe you're looking for a job. Maybe you're uh, looking for a spouse. Maybe you're, you're, you're looking for uh, just this idea of like, what's the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years of my life going to look like? Fearing what's next. And then for me, I know fear of failure. Fearing not being able to succeed. Failing at the things that, that I've been put into by God. Failing being a dad, a good dad. Failing in being a good husband. Failing about being a good steward of what God has given me. And these things 
as we fear these things and run from these things, these things actually drain the life out of us. They, they drain our soul. But Proverbs speaks about fearing God as our only hope, as our only life, as the only ability that we have to experience freedom. So it doesn't drain us. It actually gives us life. And so let's, let's look at Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. I want to read through it. And then actually we're going to work through it backwards. We're going to start at the latter verses and work, work our way back. So Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will make straight your path. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. So let's start actually in verse 7 and we'll work backwards. Verse 7. Be not wise in your own eyes. This is a call to depend not in yourself. I mean, this wages, for me, this wages war against my fear of failure. To not to depend on myself, not to depend on my ability to pull up my bootstraps, to white knuckle it, to get to work, right? To do what I got to do. That's my fear of failure comes from, right? It's me feeling like I need to be a self-made man and I got to do it on my own. He's saying, depend not in yourself. Run from evil. So what does that mean? So he's saying there's this idea of if everything here is evil, he's saying run from this, but if you're running from something, there has to be something you're running to. You're not running aimlessly. And so what? You run to the cross, to Jesus, to God himself where there is safety and hope. That's why David continually, over and over again, uses the word refuge and strength and strong tower. And those, the word is righteous, they run into the strong tower because they know that there they are, safe. There's an allure here of safety. There's an allure here of contentment, fulfillment, satisfaction. But it's meaningless. It's empty. And so we run from this, and we run to the only thing that will give us true hope and life. So it's a call to depend fully in God's wisdom and not our own. This is what we talked about last week in, in John 15, where it says abide. Abide in the vine. The vine is Jesus. And you are not the vine. You know who else you're not? You're not the gardener. God is the gardener. You're a branch. And apart from the vine, you can do nothing. And so we're seeing this full dependence in who Jesus is. Full dependence in God himself. And then in verse 8, he says, this, this running from evil to Jesus, this depending not in yourself and your ability to white-knuckle it and get the job done, but actually depend fully in the strong tower, this will bring healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. By depending not in yourself, you will have healing in your flesh. I love the word there in Hebrew. It's actually a word used for umbilical cord. What does the umbilical cord do to a fetus? Nourishment and life. That's what, that's what healing in your flesh is. It is the source of life. Then refreshment in your bones. This is the substance, the self. This is your identity. So not only does he give you life, but he also gives you a new identity. 
Every human being, whether you trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior or not, is created in the image of God to know God and to be loved by God, to be in relationship with God. And when God opens up our eyes to how amazing and beautiful he is, he gives us a new identity. Ezekiel 36, he says he will take out our heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. His heart, a new heart given to us by him. I love Ben, how he was leading us through that last song, that the Spirit of God dwells within us and it gives us newness. And it bears fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of Bill. And so, we are brought from death to life. We're giving a new identity. And then, verses 5 and 6 call us to admit that we are incapable of manufacturing fruit on our own. Look at verses 5 and 6. So what are we to do? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. All of it, not part of it. It doesn't say have part of your heart, give yourself to the Lord, and part of your heart, give yourself to the things of this world. All of your heart, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. And in all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your path. So, uh, Ben, you come up. I need a couple guys. I, I kind of spoke to you already. Come up quick, if you can. You guys right here. Right here is good. No, Ben, you're here. All right. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. We're going back to youth group days. Anybody uh, go to camp? Raise your hand if you went to camp. Youth camp. All right. Turn around. Here we go. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> okay. Line up. Yeah, put your you're arms really out. Making me do I'm making you do it. Put your arms out. Hold each other's arms. Yeah, hold, hold, hold each other. Yeah, you got to create. No, you go this way. All right. All right, here we go. This is what trusting the Lord with all of your heart looks like. This is what it looks like. Go ahead. I'm going to make you do this. Woo! Let's hear it for Ben. I don't know what we do from here. All right, there you go. Let's hear it for these guys. Come on, let's hear it for these guys. Man, that was a lot of... You did not trust them fully. There was a lot of looking back. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. You know what I'm terrible at? That. You know what I look like often? That. Right? God says, trust me. And I'm like, yeah, but, but, I, 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 I think I know better, God. It, it just, it sounds better. Let, God, let me, let me draw it out for you. Maybe if I get on my whiteboard, God, and I, like, map it out and draw some pictures with it, maybe then you'll see it my way. I know it sounds funny, but you do it. So do I. I say, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. All of it. We fear, I fear, trusting anyone else with our life. But the two words here that he uses, two ideas, all of your heart and with all of your mind. The depth of your core, your innermost being, your emotions, and all of the logic that you could muster up. All of the, the computing with the numbers and the plus signs and the, and the, all of it. Trust in him with your whole heart, with your whole mind. Lean not on your own understanding. 
But God, this makes no sense. We just moved here. Now we got to sell our home? God, we, but we have all these plans, all these ideas. God, our kids are, our, our kids are good in school. Now you want us to homeschool them? What? Or we've been homeschooling them and the pandemic happened and now we have to, you're, you're calling us to send them back to school? Like, it, it, it just doesn't make sense sometimes. And so, he's saying trust, full dependence with your inner man, with your core of your desire, your understanding, your logic. This is a whole new way of life. A whole new reality. A whole different perspective. I was speaking with a good friend of mine uh, and I want to caveat this because, man, this really brought joy to my heart and my soul um, this week. This guy's a man's man. This guy's an athlete. He's someone who um, is, is I, I really do look up to him. And he, this week, was struggling with a few things. And so um, he was discontent with his job. His mind has been racing. He was analyzing all of his options. All of that was leading him to anxiety. This is not abnormal in his life, but, but normally he tries to deal with it on his own, and dealing with it on his own then leads him to, to make really poor choices. But this time was a little bit different. We were talking about this this week. He, he went home from work after having a whole day of just being in the clouds, and his mind was just racing, and he spoke to his wife, talked to her about it. He opened up the Word and started reading the Word, and then he took out a journal and started writing down out a prayer to God. Now it's not something that like that is overly like, you know, oh, that's really difficult. That's really hard. No. Pretty easy things to do. But it was something that that he did. And then he texted somebody about what he was dealing with, what he was going through. And as he was sharing this with me, I asked him, I said, How do you feel? After you did all that, what did you feel? And this was, these were his words. There was a settling in my spirit. A settling in my spirit. Look at verse 8 again. If you are not wise in your own eyes, if you acknowledge the Lord, it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. So, this is the fruit of the Spirit. See, often we can read this and say, the Bible's not applicable to me. Right? I, I just, I read it and I don't get anything out of it. When you get to passages like this, and the Spirit begins to stir in you, only what the Spirit can do, He begins to bear fruit in and through your life. This, this man was, has been walking with Jesus for years. Years and years and years. But for some reason, and, and this was what brought joy to my soul this week, is that I, I was able to say to him, guess what? This is the spirit at work in you. This is fruit of your spirit, of fruit of God's spirit in you. You didn't just figure this out all of a sudden. You didn't just like, you know, white knuckle and be like, I'm going to go and I'm going to do this. No, like the spirit is doing something. Look at the fruit that the spirit is bearing. And he's bringing healing to your fresh and flesh and refreshment to your bones because you are trusting the Lord with all of your heart and leaning out on your own understanding. And then he uses this, this phrase here, and I love what Solomon does here because I think some translations get it a little off in the word that he used, but it's acknowledge him. Acknowledge him. 
This is very different than like catching somebody's eye when you're standing in Starbucks line and you like, it's awkward. You know, like you walk into Starbucks and someone's sitting there and, and then you like kind of walk in and you kind of catch eyes and you're like, hey, what do I do at this point? Right? Like you could quickly look away and act like you didn't see them or you do one of these, right? Right? It's very different than that kind of acknowledgement. Yeah, I know you're there. We just caught eyes. That was awkward. Hey, what's up? All right, and I'm going to go order my drink. The word here in Hebrew means to know. To know. And it's not just know like I know some stats about him or I know some facts about him, but there's an intimacy that we see here in the word acknowledge him. You want to know where else this word was used? When God said to Adam and Eve, do not eat the fruit. Because if you do, you will know good and evil. But then he uses it again. And he says, when they ate the fruit, they knew that they were naked. So there was this understanding of their sin and their shame and their guilt. And then it's used again a couple verses later where it says, God said to be fruitful and multiply. And Adam knew his wife. All the same word. So this acknowledge him is deeper than just know a little bit about him. Or, you know, go, off, go to a, 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 a one theology class and, and get a couple of stats that you can, you know, memorize a couple of verses. No, this is an intimate knowledge of who God is. And it's a personal relationship with God. See, trusting God happens through knowing him intimately. So if you're here, and you're single, and you're struggling in this season of your life to desire maybe a relationship or to desire something, it is not your goal to be married. I want you to know that. I want you to understand that that's not your goal. Your goal is to know Jesus and to have an intimate relationship with Jesus. See, but the problem is, is that we'll spend hours and hours on the phone texting and getting to know a person and only a few minutes opening up the Bible and getting on our knees and praying. So the call is to know him intimately. Why? I hear, I hear this a lot. I want my husband to lead our family. And so husbands, we respond. And what do we do? We step up. We start making some decisions start leading out. We start, you know, telling everybody what to do around the house. That's worth nothing if you never open up your Bible and never fall on your knees before a holy God and get to know Him intimately. Think about your prayers over your kids. Are they just a recorded message like your uh, answering machine? Do we have those anymore? Like your voicemail? Just a recorded message. You, you walk in, Jesus, watch over them. Amen. Jesus, blah, 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 blah. Amen. And you walk out. Or do you go before a holy God and plead with him over your kids' lives and speak truth and life over their hearts and their minds and their souls? Because you know that there is a war waging for their souls, dads, moms. In those moments, are you speaking to someone that you know or are you just heaping up empty phrases because you think you're supposed to pray for your kids at the end of the night? Too often my prayers can just be a recorded message. 
and I walk out and I miss the opportunity to know God in front of my kids. There's a song by Maverick City Music. It's called Talking to Jesus. If you have some time, I would, I would listen to it. But there's a dad in his room and he's reading the Bible and he's praying and his son walks in. And he goes, oh, sorry, Dad, I can see that there's a lot on your mind. I'll, I'll leave you alone. And he said, no, 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 son, come on in. He's like, I'm talking to Jesus. He's like, sit with me. Talk to Jesus with me. And even right now, I get emotional because how often do I miss worshiping God, talking to Jesus, and my girls walk in and interrupt that. Not often. Not often enough. If they don't see their dad doing it, why in the world are they going to go do it? Do we trust God? Or is it just something we say we believe? And then do nothing with it? I can be so consumed with the stuff that's in the world. So consumed with trying to get all this fulfillment from all the wrong places. And there is a promise in Scripture. It says, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. Ask and you shall receive. Do we know him? Trusting God comes from knowing God can't trust what you do not know. And so I think maybe even a little part of Ben was comforted to fall because he knew some of those guys. He kind of analyzed it. All right, they could, they could handle my weight. Do you know God intimately enough? Say, I fully trust him with every single aspect of my life. When the doctor calls and says, you have cancer. When your child gets sick. When you see someone that you love give themselves over to addiction. Do you go into problem solving mode? Or do you trust the one who created all things for his glory? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways know him. And here's the promise. He will direct your path. Let's pray. Father, God, I ask for forgiveness for how often I give myself to the things of this world that consume my heart and my mind. And how I fail to run to you, the author and perfecter of faith, the one who promises to restore all things, the one who, who says if I ask for wisdom, he will give it, the one who spoke and the world came into being, the one who knitted me in my mother's womb, the one who knew in and of myself I could not have accomplished getting into heaven. 
So you sent your son, Jesus, to live the life that I couldn't live and die the death that I couldn't die so that I may know you, that I may have life in you, that you may pull out my heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh, God. That's all you. God, and often I try to logic my way through life and try to figure it out and find the magic bullet, find find the thing that's going to work. But God, I pray that my life would be defined by someone who knows you and loves you because of the work that you have done in and through my life. And that if people look at my life, they see you, not me. For every single one of our people that come in to this place and call FMCC their home, whether they're traveling or they're here right now, God, I pray that our lives be defined by people who love you and know you and whose lives are directed by you. That we don't see obedience as a side dish, but obedience as the way of life and joy and delight in you. God, if there's someone here today, whether they are in middle school, high school, college, whether they are single or married or dating or engaged, God, I pray. I pray that right now you would do a work in their hearts. You would do a work in their minds and draw them close. Reveal to them how beautiful you are so that they may know you and love you. And God, as they are enjoying you, that the world around them may know how amazing and beautiful you are. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for inspiring Solomon to write this stuff down so that we can know your heart. Forgive us when we don't trust you fully, but teach us, God, in our unbelief, how to fully rely on you and you alone. In your name that we pray.